0: This episode of On the Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is called The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2. A verse-by-verse audio commentary in John, Chapter 20. The passion of Jesus is finished. He is risen from the dead. All of history is now altered because god has staked his claim to this fallen world and his kingdom is soon to come how soon of course i can't say but even in god's economy a day is to the lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day in god's economy his coming is very very soon with this we have a lesson called jesus appears to the disciples it's based on john 20 verses 19 to 30. Now remember, the theme of this entire series from John's Gospel is simply called the Son of God. John is building the case that Jesus is God's Son. He does it in a variety of ways throughout this Gospel. But no doubt, his first-hand account of encountering Jesus after Jesus rose from the dead is part of the case, a major part in fact, that Jesus is the son of God again may refer you to Romans chapter 1 verse 4 which tells us that Jesus Christ was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead this is a wonderful wonderful thing but now we need to take this knowledge that Christ is risen and put it into practice and of course our guide is scripture here in this particular lesson, again, the reference is John 20, 19 to 30. We're going to see that Jesus doesn't just say, hello, friends. He actually gives them a commission. He actually blesses them with the Holy Spirit. And he gives them authority and power to do things that he himself did on earth. Let me read to you a couple of verses here from this passage. Verse 21 of John 20. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Boy, there's a lot that's happened in just two verses. First of all, you have Jesus appearing. Now that in itself is both wonderful, but it's overwhelming. Because even though he told them repeatedly, I'm talking about his disciples, after three days, I will rise from the dead. And of course, Jesus, being a person of his word, he kept that promise. He did rise. But it's still hard to process, since rising from the dead is not an everyday occurrence. Oh yes, they witnessed it with the widow's son at Nain. And they witnessed it with the raising of Lazarus. But still, it is so hard to comprehend That someone who is well and truly dead, having died a most horrific death, would be up and about after three days. So therefore, they were still unprepared or not fully prepared for their encounter with the Lord. Then he gives them this wonderful greeting, peace be unto you. Remember in John 14, I believe it's verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus is more than willing to give us his peace. But it has to be according to his terms, timing, and territory. Well, we're on his territory. We're listening to his word. We are open-eared and open-hearted. That's the best way to position yourself For the blessing of God. And he goes on to say, just as his father has sent him, so he, Jesus, is sending the disciples. Do you know what we call this sending out? It's a commission, an apostolic commission. It's the great commission. And those that are sent out are known as apostolos in Greek or apostles, those that are commissioned and empowered to go for Jesus and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let's read now the entire portion of John chapter 20, verses 19 to 30. Our lesson is called, Jesus Appears to the Disciples. And our reference again is John chapter 20, verses 19 to 30. Let's listen carefully to the word of God. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus, and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad, when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Our reading is from John chapter 20, verses 19 to 30, and our lesson is called Jesus Appears to the Disciples. What a wonderful appearance that was indeed. And may we all open our hearts for a fresh encounter ...with the risen Christ. Not only did he rise from the dead, he's never going to die again. Death has no dominion over him. All things are under his feet, and that includes death itself. And because we are part of his body, all things are under our feet as well. All right, let's begin with the beginning. John chapter 20, verse 19. We now enter into the wonderful appearance of Jesus before his followers after the resurrection. The Passion is over. Redemption has been completed. All things, including death, are now conquered by Jesus. Until now, the risen Christ appeared in a selected and limited manner. The first person to see him after the resurrection was Mary Magdalene, from whom Jesus cast out seven devils. As pointed out in a previous lesson, Jesus first revealed himself as Messiah to a Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, John chapter 4. Now he appears in his resurrected body to another woman, his faithful follower, Mary. At this point, Peter and John went to the tomb, found the stone rolled away and the body missing, but the grave clothes were still there. How bizarre. (laughs) Now, on the same resurrection day, which is Sunday evening the disciples were assembled in a place it says the doors were shut but we believe they weren't just shut they were locked and it uses the phrase fear of the Jews this phrase is used 4 times in the bible in the book of Esther once Esther 8:17 and 3 times in John's gospel here and in John 7:13 and John 19:38 Except for the first reference in Esther, the ones from John are actually in the negative. In Proverbs 29, verse 25, it warns us that the fear of man, be they Jew or Gentile, brings the snare, but the person who trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. So please don't misunderstand this phrase or use it as an excuse to discriminate against Jewish people. That's not our intent. And remember, the Savior and the Apostles were also Jewish people. They're all one big family. So there is a context we need to get into all this because the early church comprised of 100% Jews until the Gentiles started coming in, which was always God's plan to begin with. So let's all keep it the way God would have us to understand. Besides, no matter what, were called to show love to all people, regardless of race and national origin. Any case, in light of the traumatic events of the last few days, and hearing what Jesus had to endure at the Sanhedrin, at the Antonia Fortress with Pilate, at Golgotha itself, it was understandable that the surviving disciples, because, of course, Judas Iscariot was long gone, wanted to remain under the radar. Despite the precautions, including the closed-slash-locked door, Jesus makes an unexpected, unannounced appearance in the room. Then, to his startled followers, he says these words, Peace be unto you. It is a welcome message, a confirmation that the Prince of Peace has indeed risen from the dead, as he had promised. Nevertheless, despite the promise and confirmation, the disciples still dither in doubt, especially Thomas, who was not present on that occasion. We don't know where he was. In a sense, they should have all been together because these are Galileans. They are not native residents of Jerusalem, which I believe is where this appearance occurred. Then we have something else. The hands and the side. John 20, verse 20. Just to make sure, that his followers knew it was him, very much alive, Jesus then shows them his wounded hands and his side that was pierced. Once they viewed these things, it says the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, as they should be, as we all should be. And then peace comes again. John 20, 21. To enforce the point, the Lord says, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, I also send you. Not only is God's peace necessary for our complete well-being, it is part of our inheritance in Christ. Also, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, as told to us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. When you have God's peace as a continual reality in your life and friends, I'm telling you all the money in the world cannot buy this peace, but once you have it, nothing in the world can take it from you unless you yourself choose to relinquish it. It is the one most wonderful therapy mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and eternally to have the peace of God in your life. And it's freely given by the Prince of Peace himself. You can face any situation in life and come out on top when you receive God's peace. The Lord speaks about sending them just as the Father has sent him. In other words, these disciples will well and truly become apostles, those commissioned, empowered, and dispatched by God for the extension of his kingdom. Again, that word apostle or apostolos means sent forth by God with power. Then Jesus makes another remarkable statement in John 20, verse 22. Receive the Holy Spirit. Just as the disciples received the risen Christ, well, I guess they received him. He came, not necessarily invited, but he was there, and of course they were glad to see him. So now it is time to receive the third person in the Godhead. And that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so instrumental in not only creation, but recreation. Not only in the first birth, but also in the new birth. Just as the Lord God breathed on Adam, and he became a living soul, according to Genesis 2, verse 7. So, by breathing on the disciples, Jesus caused the disciples to be a new creation, as recipients of the precious Holy Spirit. One commentator says that this was the moment when the disciples were born again. And remember, there are other synonymous phrases for being born again, like the new birth, or born from above, or born of the Spirit. So in a sense, by receiving the Holy Spirit, it's like an act of recreation, just like what happened in Genesis was an act of creation. And then comes forgiveness of sins. John 20, 23. With the Holy Spirit and the spoken commission, Jesus gives his apostles authority to forgive sins, and they will be forgiven. While this verse could be misinterpreted as saying we have the right to forgive sins or not to forgive, that's not, of course, how things work. From Everything else we understand about forgiveness, Jesus demands, commands, expects that we will forgive others, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, for the simple reason that we have been forgiven all our sins. And if we don't forgive others, we won't be forgiven either. So as far as I understand, forgiveness is not optional. We must give it. But the safest and soundest option to interpreting John 20:23 20, is that the apostles will announce the possibility of forgiveness in proxy for the Lord, but failure to accept the free gift of the gospel will result in being unforgiven and remaining in a life of sinfulness, which of course the wages of sin is death. John 20:24, 20, Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, and referred to as Didymus, which means twin, was not present when Jesus appeared. And so then on our last verse for this lesson, John twenty twenty-five, Thomas makes a declaration of doubt. When he reunites with the other disciples, they in unison declared with great excitement, We have seen the Lord. But far from rejoicing at such good news, Thomas throws a bucket of cold water. He declares his defiant doubt in no uncertain terms, except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. Please note, unless shown proof of the resurrection, it is not that Thomas cannot believe due to weakness, Like, I'd love to believe, but I can't because I'm weak. He will not believe as an act of his will. As I said, it is defiant doubt. And as we're going to learn, he really had no excuse for such doubts whatsoever. But nevertheless, God is gracious, and he will have every chance to amend his doubtful, defiant ways and be restored fully as one of the 12 of Jesus. Now, our lesson is is simply called Jesus Appears to the Disciples. And our lesson for life is this. The Declaration of the Risen Christ takes us to the fork in the road of either saving faith or deathly doubt. And there is no in-between.